Well, my name is Mike Taylor. Um, I'm so glad to be back at Southcrest. I was here in 2012, um, got to preach here then, and um, I've known Sean. I laughed at him last hour because I had to be like 20 when he was 19, but I'm not actually. So appreciate that. And then Josh was born the year we met. That's shocking. Anyway, um, that's my best English accent, actually. That's all I got. Um, We've lived in the United Kingdom now for just almost four years. Uh, But bless you, from the beginning, uh, when I told Sean we were moving over, um, he said, man, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And so as a church, um, you guys have been supporting what we're doing over there. And then um, you've sent some amazing people uh, to come, and and not just short-term trips. You guys have come uh, each of the last two years. You're bringing two this year. Um, So you're coming in April, and then you're also coming in July with another group. Um, But yeah, so that's awesome when you come what you do when you come on a short-term trip is you come alongside an existing project working with folks, and it's just enthusiasm and energy, and as much as y'all love Josh's accent, right? Don't you love that? Cool British. Actually, the thread, I created a thread between Sean and Josh and I because we were talking about the service, and I, I named it Josh's Cool British Accent because they wanted to get him up here to talk to you guys, but, um, but just as cool as uh, English accents are to Americans... When, when y'all come over there, y'all are like rock stars. Seriously. The kids, especially in Teesside where we live, where it's, you know, it's not like a tourist attraction. It's not like London. They're like, are you an American? You know, and they just, they love it, man. I mean, it's just like this cool moment where the English kids can't believe, first of all, that there's Americans living and hanging out in Teesside. Um, but then they just, it's just like a marriage made in heaven. So it's really, really cool when you come, do short-term stuff. And then your church has given us, over the last three years, uh, two years, three, um, three of your own have come and done life over there. Kayla Moore and Angela Edmond, who's over here, um, came in 2012, did life with us 2012, 2013. And then Sarah Beecham came in September, and she'll be with us a couple of years. And it's, it's that kind of a relationship that we dream of, honestly. If we had you know, a dozen churches that were doing that. We could really begin to see change take place in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure Josh alluded to the, the state of the church a bit. Um, and this isn't my sermon, so we'll get to that in just a second. But the state of the church is um, not great. 75% of churches have no recognizable youth ministry. That's one statistic. The, the glaring, alarming statistic beyond that is less than 3% and the United Kingdom claimed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is really, really hard for us in America to wrap our minds around because we're still, uh, especially in the South, still look like a Christian country and a Christian nation, and we got our spiritual heritage from there. So it's really, really hard for us to understand the post-Christian culture that is Europe, greater Europe, and the United Kingdom. And so we believe the only way to reach the United Kingdom is by relationships, they would, uh, most people would not show up at church. I mean, Josh alluded, we crave this kind of stuff because we love the passion and enthusiasm. You know, when you meet with your young people and you have 150 or 200 young people at a youth service, that's more than most churches will have on a Sunday. Most churches are 15, 20, 25 people gathering. It's just so different. Um, but through relationships, the gospel has a chance. And that's, that's why we do the gap year scheme where 
By the way, scheme in England's a good thing, right? It's not here, but we do this gap year scheme in England where kids come over and do a year or two. So as you pray for us and as you think about us and as this family, this relationship, this partnership blossoms, uh, why not challenge your young people to come and do a year or two, okay? Enough of the infomercial. If you'll grab your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, We're in a series called Happy, all right? And it comes from that first word in in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are you. Oh, how happy are you, okay? When you do, and there's several kingdom principles, kingdom ideas that Jesus, uh, the greatest storyteller ever, preaching the greatest sermon ever, um, talks about in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read that passage, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are you when you're meek, because you will inherit the earth. The kingdom of God will advance. Happy are you when you are meek. Now, listen, he alluded to the fact that I went to Arkansas, or I'm from Arkansas, so I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? Um, But... I didn't know what the word meek means, or I mean, I, I do because I've preached before out of, uh, about meekness, but we have no concept of meekness. I mean, for the most part, even dictionary.com has no idea what the biblical word meek means, all right? Let me read you the definition from dictionary.com, all right? Hum- humbly patient, that's a good start. I like that part of it, humbly patient, and then it goes on and says, or docile, docile. Overly submissive or compliant, spiritless and tame. That just doesn't get it when you talk about meekness. All right? Especially not when, when, when we're talking about Jesus talking about meekness. When I think of Jesus, I don't think anything about tame. Do you? Right? And so I, I, don't, even, I don't think it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around what meekness means. All right, and so I was giving him a hard time because he gave me, you know, the, the meek sermon, right? All right, but um, I'm excited to get to unpack this a bit. The other part, before we jump in and really begin to ide- understand and get an idea of what meekness means, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And listen to really what this, the, the whole point of the sermon is. Verse 14, 13, 14, 15, talk about you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Listen to what verse 15, uh, 16 says. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. The whole point of understanding the Sermon on the Mount is that as we put into practice, as we flesh out on a day-to-day basis these kingdom principles, these kingdom ideas that Jesus is talking about, the world is watching and noticing noticing that and giving glory to God. That's the whole idea is as we flesh it out, the world's attention is drawn to the greatness and the glory and the splendor of who God is in your life and in my life. That's missional living. That's kingdom living. When we begin to put in practice these ideas in Matthew chapter five, and honestly, it leads to a happy life. And people begin to look at you and go, there's something different about the way they live. You know, people are watching you, right? 
Every day, somebody is scoping you out, not in a creepy way, but in, a, in, a, in our world, they're watching how you behave and how you live. We were joking on the way over here about driving, which I think most of us lose our heads spiritually when we get behind a, a wheel and drive uh, crazy, all right? Uh, it seems like we kind of, Christianity checks, checks out the window, right? You know, people cutting people off. I've never done that, ever, right? Sorry, I lived in Houston for 20 years. It's an offensive weapon in Houston in a car. Anyway, um, so a couple of years ago, I worked for an organization called Student Leadership University. And we used to develop young people. It was, it was all very intentional idea of how, how to raise up next level leaders. And so Dr. Jay Strack, the founder of that organization, I was living in Houston, flying down to Orlando, doing ministry there. And we were putting on an event called Youth Pastor Summit. Two or 3,000 youth pastors from all over the country gather. And Jay said, Mike, you're flying in from Houston, I know. So there's a guy coming in. Would you pick him up at the airport when you get to Orlando? Basically, I was a glorified chauffeur. That's really what my job was. And so, um, so I said, sure, no problem. And so I get on my plane, uh, I, I'm 7A or 7F, uh, left seat, right in coach. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and lo and behold, the keynote speaker gets on my flight, the guy I'm picking up at the airport in Orlando. He's on my flight in Houston. And he sits in 7C, right? So you know what I did? I watched him. Because here's this guy who's about to speak to 3,000 youth pastors, and I want to know what he's made of, right? That's a bit mean-spirited, isn't it, right? People are watching you today to see what, what you're really like. So he, he sits down, and we're about to go, and this, the last person gets on the flight. It's an older Hispanic woman, and she's from another country. She speaks no English. And she's coming down the, you know, the first class section. She gets to seven and she's in seven B right next to this guy that's about to speak to all these youth pastors. And I'm over here on F against hugging the, uh, hugging the um, window seat. And he gets up, he grabs her bag, he puts it up in the bin. And I'm like, wow, this guy might be legitimate, Right. And then he, he gives her C, and he sits in B, the worst seat on any airplane between two people, right? You know what I'm saying? That is just, I was blown away. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was blown away, right? And then he starts talking in Spanish, and I know just enough Spanish to know that he was sharing Jesus with her, right? So we get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool at that point. I'm like, I'm excited to be picking this guy up at the airport, right? So we do our thing. I, I, don't, I never say a word to him. We land, and you know how you do when you get off, you know, you land at the airport, and you're, everybody turns their phone on as soon as you can. Um, and so we're, we're at the gate, and I call him. I'm still in F. He's still in B now. I call him. He goes, I said, uh, hey, you know, I won't tell you his name. I said, hey, uh, hey, I'm here to pick you up at the airport. He goes, man, that's weird. How'd you know? How'd you know? I just landed, literally. I'm like, well, I'm just a few seats over from you. And he was like totally creeped out, okay? So like for the whole night, I took him to dinner. I was like, man, I just wanted to see if you were the real deal. You're about to speak to all these guys and gals. And he goes, man, did I do okay? <laughs> now, now just let that land on your heart for a second. People are watching us to see if we're real, to see if the kingdom of God's gonna leak out of us as we live our lives in this town 
What are people saying about you when you're not around? Are they thinking about you and going, man, I want to give God glory because of the way they live their lives? Meekness, is it in you? Is it a part of your life? Does it, does it leak out of you? Well, let's look at, let's look at um, Psalm 37 because most biblical scholars reference from Matthew chapter five, verse five is that Jesus took this phrase, blessed are the meek from Psalm 37. So let's look at Psalm 37. I'm gonna read one through 11 and you can follow along and then we'll come back and we'll try to paint a picture, if you will, of what meekness looks like in our lives so that we can reflect the glory of God and that we can live to our fullest potential and really enjoy happiness. That's, that's what it's all about, okay? So Matthew, uh, uh, Psalm chapter 37, verse one. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they'll soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while more and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. What does it look like to be meek? I think there's some, always, I believe that God's word speaks so much into our lives and, and can really shape us and form us and fashion us into the people of God to live kingdom-minded principles. So let's look, the first one I think is found in Psalm 37, 5, the first portrait of the first part of this picture of what it looks like to be meek is found in verse five. They trust in God. It's the second part of that verse. We'll come back and pick up the first part in just a second. But it says in verse five of 37, they trust in him and he will do this. Trust in him. Biblical meekness is rooted in a deep confidence that God is for you. He He's for you today. He wants you to live a life that honors him. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to live in such a way that he, that you experience the fullness of all that he has for you. Now that's not trinkets and toys necessarily, okay? But it is the fullness of this relationship with God. Do you trust him? Biblical meekness is rooted in a deep confidence that God is for you that he has you in his hands and that you can rest in him. Do you trust God today with your life? Are you trusting him? The first part of this portrait is biblical meekness. That man or that woman, that young person trusts God. The second part is found in the first part of that verse, verse five. I think this is really significant for us. The second part says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, 
So the second part of this is to commit your way to the Lord. God, I trust you. I believe that you have my best in mind, but I'm going to, I'm going to commit my way to you. The Hebrew word there is, is a word that we, we would get um, to roll off, right? Literally to roll off our stuff, our way onto the Lord. It's a bit like cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Commit your way to the Lord literally means to roll. So meek people have discovered that God is not only trustworthy, but he can handle everything that's going on in my life. So I literally roll it off onto the Lord. What are your hopes and dreams? Roll it off onto the Lord. What do you want for your family? What do you want for your kids or your grandkids? What do you want for your church? Roll it off to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Your business, your problems, your relationships. What's next for your life? Roll it off on the Lord. Because that, that, that creates a quality, a characteristic, an idea of meekness that begins to transform your life. Can you imagine if we literally took this at heart today? We're going to trust you, God. And we're going to literally roll everything off onto you today. You want, I mean, you want happiness? That's, I'll have a little bit of that. I want some of that. I'm going to roll off my stuff, all the things that I'm holding on to and say, God, I'm going to commit my way to you. The third part is in verse seven. They are still before God and wait for him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. One of the things we used to tell young people, I'm sure Ian does here as well, is um, you can't set aside time with God or you'll set it aside, right? I mean, if you don't, if you don't purpose in your heart that I'm gonna walk with God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit before the Lord, I'm gonna wait on him, I'm gonna be still before God. Meet people don't just do that at the end of the day. They find time to really walk with God and know God. And they're still before him. Now, listen, I know we live in a frantic, crazy, over-the-top pace, especially in Atlanta or, or here in Noonan, right? I mean, there's lots of pressure. But meek people are still and quiet and wait patiently for the Lord. Now, listen, that's not lazy, Okay? Counter, counterintuitive to that. Meek people aren't lazy. Listen, as believers, we should be the hardest working people on the planet. Why? Because it goes back to the glory of God, right? It goes back to verse 16 in Matthew chapter five. I want to do whatever I do so that people look at what I do and go, I want to give God glory for the way he lives or the way she lives. So meekness is not, being still is not lazy. It's not inactivity, but it is that moment, that time where you carve it out and you go, God, I'm going to wait for you. I'm, I want to be transformed by your spirit, God. I want your gentleness and your meekness to leak out of me. It's a steady calm. Meek people have a quiet steadiness about their lives in the midst of chaos and upheaval and the frenzy of life that we live in. Listen, I've got four kids. 26 to 16, I get frenzy, okay? I understand the world you're living in. I lived in America for 49 years, all right? And I understand the pace. 
But meek people, they don't live in frenzy. They live in a stillness and a quietness, a steadiness that comes from this deep abiding relationship with God. You can't manufacture meekness. It comes from this deep abiding relationship with God. Do those, do those words describe you today? Patience, calm, steady. Would that be said of you today? The fourth one is found in verse seven and eight. And it's a great Southern word, all right? It's the word fret, all right? I love that word. You wouldn't think it was a Hebrew word, but it is. Um, it says, um, verse, verse seven and eight, it says, do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. Meek people see their family and work and life are in God's sovereign hands. And when setbacks come, and they will, when challenges come, and they do, and pressure comes, and you feel it, don't fret. Roll it off. Meek people don't fret over stuff. And I love that. I love the thought that the pressures of life come, the challenges of life come, the intensity of life hits you. And because of your relationship with God and who he is, you don't stress out, you don't fret. Now listen, we all blow it, okay? We all feel pressure sometimes and succumb. But as you and I develop in our walk with God, this relationship, this deep abiding relationship, Meekness leaks out more than frustration and anger. And, and when the pressure comes, you rest in his sovereign hands. It's a supernatural quality, meekness. Supernatural, not natural. Supernatural. It only comes from knowing Jesus. You want true happiness? You want to feel blessed? Oh, how happy Engage in this relationship with the guy that spoke this Sermon on the Mount. Engage in this relationship with God today and experience who he is. The fifth characteristic of meekness is they're teachable. Meek people are teachable. It's not like you've got it all together, okay? It's not like you've got it all sorted. That's a great British word, okay? Leave it with me, I'll sort it out. That's what they say. I love that. When somebody says, leave it with me in England, that's like done and dusted. That's another English phrase, all right? I'm good with this. I'm out. I'm, I'm, this is in your hands, right? Teachable. Are you teachable today? I don't have it all together. It's a, it's a mindset. So listen to James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can it be any more clear? Don't fret. But then he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Do you have a teachable spirit today? Is it easy for you to receive instruction, to receive criticism, 
What I've learned in England, honestly, the last three or four years is criticism is not bad. It's, It's very refining and shaping. As long as it's not cruel, as long as you're not being mean spirited, but critical thinking helps us. Are you teachable? Are, do you have a teachable spirit? Are you willing to take on board what other people are trying to maybe teach you or coach you? It's a mindset. Are you teachable? So meekness, that quality is teachable in people. The, the, last, the last, well, num- number six, not the last. Meekness models the humility of Christ. I love Matthew twenty twenty eight. It's one of my favorite passages. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled what it looked like to be meek. Jesus took up the basin and the towel and washed his disciples' feet. Humility, meekness is is modeled by Christ. Listen to Philippians chapter two, verse six, seven, and eight. Jesus being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Meekness models the humility of Christ. When you and I um, leak meekness in our culture, it models Christ. What does that do? It takes me back to Matthew five sixteen, that people would see your life and see my life. And as we serve and love unconditionally and roll up our sleeves and we take up the basin and the towel and wash people's feet through service, it points people to Christ. It gives God glory. I believe the only way we're going to w- reach England, and, and soon in America, I mean, we're in a bit of a tailspin. I don't know if you've noticed. All right, I'm sure you have. But in America, we're not the country we used to be spiritually. I believe we're probably 10, 12, maybe 15 years behind England in post-Christian culture. I used, to, I used to say 15, now I don't think so. I think it's gonna be quicker. The only way we're gonna reach this culture in England and the coming culture here, I believe, is through relationships by serving. So the things you do with like the backpacks, that's, that's awesome. Those missional ideas that you have as a church to get out in the community and roll up your sleeves and take on the humility of Christ and you leak meekness, people are going to go, oh, that's what they mean about Jesus. That's what they mean about giving glory to God. That's what they mean because they're living it out in our town. Meek people model the humility of Christ. And then the last thought about meekness for me is this. Meekness is power under control. Now, see, to me, that's a better definition. It's not tame. I don't know if you ever do any of the Chronicles of Narnia stuff, but Aslan's not a tame lion, is he? And isn't that great? That's a great line. 
and a great lion, all right? I mean, it's just who he is, right? Meekness is power under control, power under authority. The, the, for me, the best picture of that is this. is the picture of a bit and a bridle and a horse. I mean, horses are powerful creatures, right? I mean, they're strong. You, you don't want to mess with a horse, okay? And, but in that same powerful creature, when you put a bit in its mouth, it is under authority all of a sudden. It's under control all of a sudden. And that's what meekness is. When you and I experience Christ in all the fullness of who he is personally, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I know him as my personal savior. And then I begin to flesh out these principles of this portrait of meekness. I trust God with my day-to-day life. I roll off all the things in my life into his very capable hands. I'm still and waiting in his presence and I'm walking with God moment by moment. I'm not fretting about the things that are going on around me. I'm not stressed out. I look like Christ because I'm modeling who he is and my humility and how I serve. When we do that, that is power under control. Listen to Colossians 2.6. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Power under control. That's meekness. As you and I walk with Christ, his power is released in us. One of my all-time favorite movies is Secretariat. Now tonight, you should get some Orville Redenbachers and pop it up. And as a family, watch the movie Secretariat. It's about a horse who in, on June the 9th, 1973, my birthday, not my birthday, but actually June 9th, you can send cards. Number two, St. Mark's Close, Stockton on Tees. Just kidding. All right. One of the great all-time moments in sports history, okay? Secretariat was in the Belmont Stakes, the third leg of the Triple Crown, not supposed to have a shot at winning, because it's not, it's not the race that that horse was supposed to win. Let's watch this clip. All right, this is a great moment. The field is at the post. Chick Anderson with the call. Horses now loaded in. Sound. He 
cool is that? A horse that wasn't supposed to win. Um, won by 31 lengths. A record still stands today. And power under authority. That's how we're supposed to live. In victory. That's how we're supposed to live. Just full on. Understand the principles. Understand the idea behind meekness. But we're meant to win. We're meant to thrive. We're meant to roll that stuff off on the Lord and, and leak meekness. That, that the way we live out our lives leads to victory and happiness. And ultimately, that's in our constitution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That's the way we're supposed to live out our day-to-day life. But it, it comes as underneath the authority and power of who Jesus is in your life. I made a reference a moment ago. Christian meekness is, is based on humility. It's not a natural quality. It wouldn't just come out of us. It's an outgrowth. It's, it's a byproduct of a new nature. It comes from Christ. It's a supernatural quality. You can't, you can't have meekness, biblical meekness, without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. Let me pray for us. Sean's going to come and wrap this up, okay? Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you declare in your word, God, so many amazing things for us to flesh out in our day-to-day lives. I thank you that we're called by you, God, challenged by you and your word from a sermon from your lips to live meek, live it out. And I thank you that you also say as a result of that, that we will walk in fullness and happiness and experience all that you are. God, I pray for those in the room this morning that have never encountered the supernatural power of you. God, that would you would transform hearts today in salvation so that we can live out meekness. And God, for those of us in the room that have trusted you at some point, God, would we would we begin to practice the idea of who you are in us, God? Would you allow us to flesh it out as you work it, work your way down into us through the power of your Holy Spirit, God? I pray in Jesus' name.